Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host. Ryan Fowler, and there is a got a much different vibe, obviously, today. 37 to 3 loss to the Buffalo Bills, pushes Washington to now 2-1. Buffalo is now 2-1. But today, guys, is all about context. We're not raising pitchforks. We're not showing up at Ron Rivera's door with him on fire. We're going full scorched earth. We're not doing any of that. You're gonna hear from others. That are going to say, Sam Howell's not good. This offense is not good. I need more from Eric Bieniemy. The defense isn't good. This and that. Going to find reasons to complain. That's not what I'm going to do here. I'm going to provide context for you guys. And we're going to talk ball and why the Buffalo Bills ran over the Burgundy and Gold yesterday. A game in which was close as they moved into that fourth quarter. Just, it's about execution. And that is going to be the word of the day to kick off your week. Feels like we're back in elementary school. The word of the day is execute and execution on either side of the ball and, of course, on special teams as well. Talk about all three phases of the game having to execute to beat a team as talented and a team that executes to the level of the Buffalo Bills. Because yesterday, as we moved into that fourth quarter... It was 16-0. So from a defensive perspective, the Burgundy and Gold did a hell of a job against Josh Allen and that offense to limit them to 16 points. But when you don't put you don't put anything on the board to give your defense a break at any point in that football game, it's really tough to continue to go out and limit an offense like that with a quarterback that can create with his arm and his legs, an offensive coordinator that is able to coordinate as far as I see the leverage that you guys are playing on the outside. You're consistently playing five to seven yards off the line of scrimmage. Then you're having light boxes to counter those guys on the outside. We're going to run it at you with James Cook. We're going to run it at you with Damian Harris. We're going to run it at you with Levante Murray. There's Latavius Murray, excuse me. All of that, it seemed like everything went right for the Bills yesterday. And if you're a box score scout, and I don't advise you to do that, and you just see 37-3, you're going to just say, oh, well, Washington's a fluke. 2-0 is a fluke. It is hard to win football games in the league. Being down 16-10 and 21-3 wasn't good in the first two weeks for Washington. But as you moved into week three and coming home and battling through some adversity in those ball games to come back and win, guys, we could sit here and say that in those first two ball games that the ball bounces here or there a couple times... Washington's 0-3. Washington's 1-2. We could say that with everybody. Heck, we could sit here right now and say that the Arizona Cardinals are the same way. A couple bounces here and there, they're 3-0. They were up on Washington, they were whooping the Giants' ass, and then last week, or yesterday, they beat Dallas. And they're 1-2, and and they've battled their tails off every single ball game. But from yesterday, we're going to get into Sam Howell, we're going to get into the offensive structure, we're going to get into the offensive line, which... I know not everything is on this offensive line, folks, but it's a huge issue, not just as a unit, 
But when you take a step back and give it a 10,000 foot view, as far as what this group has to be to allow Sam Howell to get his feet comfortable and set and allow him to read through more than one progression before having to look down and step over guys and then try to get his head back up and there's guys in his face. There is so much to talk about today. This is going to be one of the longer episodes. We're going to go through this entire football game schematically, architecturally on either side of the ball, guys, I l- things that I liked, things that I didn't, situational football that was not executed at a high level yesterday. But the biggest thing for me, two big stats that stood out for me yesterday. Washington's offense in the first quarter yesterday, even though they drive, they drove down the field and ran a position again to get points on the board early in that football game. Early in that ball game. As a whole, Washington's offense in the first quarter, 11 plays, 30 net yards, an interception, and three sacks just in the first quarter alone. And specifically with the three sacks, Sam Howell has now been sacked 19 times, guys, in three games. 19 times in the first three games. It's the most sacks allowed in nearly two decades by any team. They're tied with the 2005 friggin' Houston Texans with the most allowed during a three-game span and the fifth most sacks allowed through three games since 1982, guys, when sacks officially became a stat. I get Sam Howell was bad. And you cannot blame the offensive line on every single sack. But at some point, the attention has to go to the front five up front. And if I am Ron Rivera right now and I'm Eric Bieniemy. And I'm looking at this front five as far as what they can be moving forward. I'm seriously looking at guys like Ricky Stromberg, who you drafted on day two. And I'm seriously looking at guys like Chris Paul, who you drafted last year and did decent in his lone start last year against Dallas at the end of the year, who's been inactive mostly the first three games. And I'm absolutely seriously considering Cornelius Lucas sliding in at guard or at tackle to start. Because consistently, it's Andrew Wiley, it's guys up the middle beating Nick Gates and Sadiq Charles and Sam Cosme, it's everybody. I can't look at one guy and say, he was excellent yesterday. Sadiq Charles had a really good week too, that's maybe the only guy I can say and point out for the first three weeks of the season that said, man, he looked damn good. Sam Cosme's learning a new position at guard, He was you saw him join a little bit with Ron Rivera at the end of that ball game, just extremely frustrated. I get it. This unit has some players, has some athletes to be really good in the run and be able to sit your butt down and stick your cleats in the dirt and protect Sam Howell. But when teams are rushing three and rushing four and getting to Sam under three seconds, that cannot happen. You cannot have a young quarterback under center that has happy feet to where his progressions, his eyes are consistently looking within the five-yard area of the offense and you want to stretch it with guys like Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. Terry McLaurin caught all six targets yesterday for 41 yards. He was heavily involved in the first half. Love to see it. Curtis Samuel led the team. Two catches, 54 yards. Jahan Dotson, who has not been involved in the first three weeks of the season, folks. Four targets, two catches, 21 yards. His longest came 15 yards. He's not involved. It was early on in the 2022 campaign. We saw him against Detroit. We saw him against Jacksonville how quick he is in the intermediate routes, in the red zone, one-on-one, man situations. He can separate as good as anybody in football within that 10-yard range because of his footwork and his ability to just marionette corners on the outside. 
He can run right. He understands how to separate. His route running is elite. That is Jahan Dotson's elite trait. That is Jahan Dotson's elite trait. Not many guys have one. He has not been involved. Maybe that's Sam. Maybe that's what he's looking with in progressions, but I don't think Jahan Dotson's far down in progressions. I'm not going to go into every single concept and every single thing that Washington's doing on the outside, but I know who number one is as a player. I saw what he did in his rookie year with Taylor Heineke and the Scott Turner static offense. This is Eric Bieniemy, where things were specifically creative in that Denver game, and I didn't see it yesterday. Then, excuse me, Buffalo's defense is talented at all three levels. We talked about it. But that defense look, made Terrell Bernard look like friggin' Lawrence Taylor yesterday. He's everywhere. Interceptions, fumble recoveries, sacks. Second-year player out of Baylor, I highlighted in the pregame podcast, talking about how he's evolving next to Matt Milano in the middle of that defense. He wore the green dot yesterday. He was everywhere. And it's unfortunate that over the years, Washington consistently gives other teams, other players, career days. It's, we, we hear it a lot. We hear it a lot. Sam Howell, 19 for 29, 170 yards, four interceptions. Interceptions that, I promise you, this is not a game where you look at this and say, ah, just wash it, just throw it away. No, 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 no. This is a game where you learn. Because at the end of the day, folks, Washington's still, right now, atop the NFC East with, of course, Philly 2-0, playing Tampa Bay tonight. 2-1 atop the NFC East with Dallas. The entire NFC East right now is 0-3. Giants got whooped by the Niners on Thursday night. Of course, the Commanders lost, and Dallas lost Arizona in Arizona, which was good for Washington's perspective. And now Philly matching up with the undefeated Buccaneers on Monday Night Football this evening. But the whole division as a, as a whole was 0-3 this week. But this is a game where you have to go back and learn. For Sam Howell's perspective, what did I miss? Am I trying to play hero ball? Are my eyes in the wrong spots? Should I just start to begin, continue to take check downs quicker than usual? Do I have to hit my hots quicker? Am I sliding protections the correct way? Is that on Sam Howell? Is that on Nick Gates? Those are things that have to be figured out when you have a young offense with young quarterbacks. Talked about it all offseason. If you expected Eric Bannemi to come in and Sam Howell to be a Patrick Mahomes type of level of execution, or even when Alex Smith, our old friend Alex Smith, was in Kansas City before Mahomes took over, that's not going to happen. That's just not going to happen. And these are the speed bumps that you have to go through with young quarterbacks and really a rebuild on offense from an architectural perspective. You can't give up on Sam Howell. The kid is talented. Go back to the Denver game and watch what he can do. The Dallas game, the Arizona game. When you give him just a smidge of time, he can make throws. He made some against Buffalo in that first half. That first series did a nice job hitting Terry McLaurin and Cole Turner over the middle of the field. I'm not asking him this offensive line to be the Dallas line of old or the Cleveland line or the Detroit line. I'm not asking him to be that. But you have to be at least a little bit above average to allow Sam Howell to reach the performance ceiling or at least provide this coaching staff Offensive coordinator and be enemy, quarterbacks coach and Tavita Pritchard, and of course Ron Rivera, and more importantly, GM Martin Mayhew, a window into what Sam Howell will be. Because right now, as the quarterback of an NFL franchise, one of 32 jobs in the world, you are a face of the franchise. I'm not giving up on 14 at all. I have a lot of confidence in this kid, and he showed me a lot yesterday and showed me a lot too. And I'm glad that Ron Rivera continued to put him out late in that ball game. 
I know he was getting beat up and battered a little bit, but those are the things you have to learn under fire with. He continued to come out and throw. I like that about Sam. He's tough. He's gritty. He has an arrogance about him and a confidence that says, I don't want to be embarrassed in this football game. I'm glad that Washington got the points late in that ball game to not be shut out. 37-0 would have hurt a little bit more than 37-3. It's a mental thing. But it comes down to execution. His eyes were late. His feet were not good. He's patting the ball a little bit too much in the pocket. Guys around his feet, though, constantly. And they're not sending five, six, seven. They did at some points. If you thought that Sean McDermott was going to come into that game and let Sam Howell rip them apart, you're wrong. They had too much talent on that back end. But you saw it in that first quarter, how Terry was, or excuse me, Sam was consistently targeting Terry McLaurin, picking on Trey White. Terry McLaurin can separate against any corner in football, just giving an opportunity to pump it on the numbers. Again, six catches, pretty good day, but 41 yards, I need more. Washington was not able to stretch the field at all yesterday, even the deeper intermediate portions, because you consistently had guys in your face. You can't even step up in the pocket and try to attempt to throw down the field. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer were both healthy. They were both back there yesterday. We saw Micah Hyde have an interception in that second half. It, it, it was ugly. I get it. It was ugly. But a lot of context is needed because I know a lot of you guys out there are extremely nervous. Was it a fluke the first two weeks? And of course, now you got Philadelphia next week traveling to Philadelphia. But the last time Washington was in Philadelphia, you guys remember what happened? It was a win. It was a win. And I will bet you right now, early in this week, before really Washington's even just dive deep into this tape, that they will play better against the Philadelphia Eagles this week. I promise you that. Because we are 2-1. and one. Haven't even played a division game yet. And the entire division lost yesterday. So let's get into this game. We're going to go first quarter to the fourth quarter and, and stop at certain moments where... There were just things that need to be focused on and things that just really turned the tide of this football game because overall, Josh Allen completed 20 passes for 218 yards, one touchdown in that first half to Gabe Davis. Pretty throw, that's fine, but they kept Stephon Diggs out of the end zone. Dalton Kincaid really was involved in the early in that first quarter, but only had two catches for three yards. I talked about him in the pregame po- podcast. And Trent Sherfield had his first catch of the year, two catches, 18 yards. But it's Stephon Diggs, 12 targets. Gabe Davis, 4 targets. 16 targets combined for those two guys. And at moments, especially on those third downs, Stephon Diggs was running free in the middle of the field. We've seen a lot of breakdowns in coverage with Washington early in, early in these games. That touchdown to Gabe Davis early in that football game, Washington ran the same type of coverage on that Marvin Mims shot down the boundary last week. It was a single high look, trying to rotate to cover two post-snap. Derek Forrest, I like Derek Forrest a lot. Love the kid's ability. But I like him in that low hole, middle of the field safety type of spot. I don't like him dropping back as a single high safety, playing number to number and having to flip his hips to run to his left, run to his right, or click and T-step on the back end and work downhill and crack a tight end over the middle of the field. I want him in that low hole already. But asking him to then play center field and flip his hips and then chase down Gabe Davis with a beautiful throw from Josh Allen to the corner pylon, nearly... That's really, really hard. And Derek Forrest, good athlete, but he doesn't have a mid 4-3, high 4-3 speed to pick it up into that 5-7 to seven yard window and get over there. That's not Derek Forrest's game. I don't want him playing in that amount of space. 
I want him playing within those confined phone booth, if you will, inside the hashes where he is best. And that's what Jack Del Rio has done such a good job of these last few years is not putting guys in certain situations where they aren't good in those specific concepts. You drafted Percy Butler, a rangy center field safety in college, long strides, can get above the rim and make plays in the football like he almost did yesterday where he should have had an interception over the middle field. When Washington set a really nice blitz, two guys mugged up in the A-gaps, they drop, you got a guy sitting from the arm side, I believe it was Cam Curl, Josh Allen rolls to his left, tries to flip his hips over the middle of the field, and Percy Butler makes a nice play in the football. Now, it was an unwarranted throw, and Josh Allen probably next time will throw it away or just tuck it and try to create something outside the pocket or just fall down and take a sack and move on to the next play. But my point is here is that Percy Butler, you drafted him for a reason. And I'd rather have Percy roaming center field like that then Derek Forrest, I would, from a coverage perspective. You also drafted a guy like Juan Martin. You drafted a guy like Jeremy, or excuse me, you have a guy like Jeremy Reeves that can play some safety for you in a pinch. Really good range. On special teams, it's not easy to be dominant on special teams, have the range to understand angles and all that type of stuff they have to do on special teams to be dominant like Jeremy Reeves is as an all-pro. Playing him as a rangy safety, I love what I've seen the last few years from him. Quan Martin, I mean, he remains uninvolved. Uninvolved. Second round pick. And as big issues that Washington has in their front five right now, there were some guys that were taken after him. John Michael Schmitz to the Giants. Tyler Steen to the Eagles. There's a lot of guys within that range that were taken. Wanya Morris to, to the Kansas City Chiefs from Oklahoma. That Washington really could have added bodies along the front five. Now, granted, they drafted Ricky. In round three out of Arkansas, but not involved right now along this front five, but they have to look in the mirror. But on that play specifically in the secondary, asking Derek Forrest to be the single high Derwin James, Kyle Hamilton type of safety, Buda Baker, that's not his game. Guys, that's not his game. Not saying I don't like Derek Forrest, but there's certain guys that fit roles more specifically than others. And I like Derek in certain roles closer to the line of scrimmage than having him play single high and having to chase down Gabe Davis on the far hash or the far numbers, excuse me. That's, that's a really tough job to do that. Not many in football can do at all. So again, let's kick off this game. Uh, first play to Dalton Kincaid screenplay. Washington was flying around uh, east west early in that football game. But the biggest thing for me early in that game was that third and 10 four man rush that Washington sent. We talked about being disciplined in the rush lanes early in that football game. And Washington wasn't. Third and 10 early in that game. A chance to get off the field and get some momentum. The first two series of the ball game were so huge on either side for the, for the commanders. Third and 10, 14-yard run for Josh Allen out the back door. Cannot happen. There was no QB spy yesterday. And those rush lanes were consistently Washington all along the front four were extremely disciplined. Extremely disciplined. Extremely undisciplined, excuse me. 14-yard run on 3rd and 10 to really just kind of deflate your balloon a little bit early in that football game. Washington does a nice job on 1st down. 2nd down, you get back to 3rd and 10 again. 30 yards. Stephon Diggs on a scramble drill outside the pocket. And on that play, Stephon Diggs is coming towards Josh Allen. Then he drops back and Emmanuel Forbes has his eyes in the backfield. Gets caught a little bit. I love the instincts from Emmanuel Forbes. You guys know that. 
He will continue to improve. But on that play specifically, on third down, with Stephon Diggs, who is extremely crafty, of course, when things break down, as is Josh Allen, when they're asked to play Sandlot ball, his eyes got caught in the backfield a little bit to where usually in college, if he's sitting on the back hip of a receiver, Emmanuel Forbes' perspective, if he's sitting on the back, back hip of a receiver coming downhill, that quarterback sees that little window, he's going to throw it, he's going to click into speed, pick it off, and maybe take it for six. Well, in the NFL, Stephon Diggs is going to see that he's on his back hip, put his foot in the ground, and then work back deeper into his concept, and Josh Allen has the arm to make that throw. So at that point in time, Emmanuel Forbes' eyes got caught in the backfield just a little bit, and that right there was two consecutive third longs for Washington to get off the football field, and they just didn't. Uh, Washington gets the ball back there. First down, seven-yard run to Brian Robinson, and then a second and three to Terry McLaurin. Really nice, right? Two plays, first down, driving a little bit. Brian Robinson, guys. I don't know what else to say about Brian Robinson. He continues to show up every single game. Um, 10 carries, 70 yards. 70 yards yesterday on 10 carries. Seven yards a pop. Not three, not four, not five. Seven yards a pop. Seven yards, guys, for big number eight. And he doesn't get the football enough. And at times, I know BNM gets a little pass happy. Maybe that's just with him in Kansas City and just relying on the pass a lot because he got Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. But 10 carries, 70 yards behind an offensive line that's extremely spotty. You got a little bit of a push there, right? A little bit of a push. And now for Brian Robinson, he now has 10 consecutive games of rushing for 50 or more yards. It's the longest streak in the NFL. Not Christian McCaffrey, not Derrick Henry, not Dalvin Cook, not Saquon Barkley, not any of these guys. It's Brian Robinson. Again, 10 consecutive games of 50 plus yards. I need more for Brian Robinson Jr. Because Chris Rodriguez is not involved and Antonio Gibson is now fumbling in the passing game as well. Don't know what to do with him. Inside the 50, I mean, it's to the point now where the only reliable running back Washington has is one guy. One guy. And that's Brian Robinson Jr. One guy. Doesn't put the ball on the ground. Runs hard. Always falls forward. Has some sneaky juice outside the tackles and they want to pull some guys and get some outside zone looks. But Antonio Gibson as well. Don't know what to do. Had the same questions when he fumbled early in the season in week one against Arizona. Inside the 50 again. It cannot happen. His ball security is just terrible. It's just really non-existent. He consistently puts the football on the ground, and it's the easiest way to find yourself holding a clipboard. But in this run game, and to take the pressure off of Sam Howell, seven yards a pop at that front seven with Daquan Jones, that was good, Ed Oliver, we saw some Tim settle. They got to run the ball more. Whatever way possible. I know that that third and goal down at the goal line where they went for it on fourth down to where that play action to trying to hit Cole Turner where Brian Robinson had to pick up the edge rusher. First off, you don't want a running back blocking an edge rusher one-on-one. That's not a good concept. I get it. Do a better job if you're Brian, but I don't like the concept at all. That third down RPO right at the middle. You got athletes, guys, on offense. Spread them out a little bit. This is a defense that is extremely good in those short areas, short down and distances near the goal line, protecting their the pain of the goal line. 
spread them out a little bit. You got weapons to do so. Be creative on the outside. Run some pick routes. If you want to throw a fade to Terry, I don't care. Throw it up. I wasn't scared of these corners. Washington should have been scared of the corners. We saw it early in the first half. You're throwing up to Terry. Five yards, 10 yards, 15 yards. Just throw it up. He's catching the football. Jahan Dotson in the red zone I mentioned earlier. But that third down and that fourth down at the goal line, was it the right decision? Okay. Was it the wrong decision? Okay. I don't care. You have to execute. They didn't execute. But the concepts of what they ran in that situation have to be better. I want to see I want to see Washington spread them out a little bit because when you do, and I'm not asking him to roll to one side and, and cut down the half of the field. You see a lot of that in the red zone for teams, those short pylon shots. I'm not asking to do that. But when you do spread them out, and maybe you keep in five five to protect, you keep in six. When you spread a team out and you lighten the box in those shallow areas with the goal line right above you, you have the option as well of Sam Howell to run. And we saw it yesterday, that 19-yard scramble was a really nice run, making plays with his legs going in near the end zone. It's a nice play. I like that from Sam Howell. Continue to use his legs. I want to see him continue to pull it on RPOs at times to keep the backside of defenses honest. It doesn't always have to go for a positive game, but just keep them honest. It opens up more alleys for Brian Robinson. And again, when you're averaging seven yards a pop for the NFL against the Buffalo Bills defense that's all over the place, continue to pound the football. 10 attempts is not enough. He's got to be up for 15-20 every single football game for Washington to win games. They're going to have to do it next week because if Washington drops back 35 plus times with Sam Howell against a Philadelphia front that's better than Buffalo's, it's going to be another long day for this front five. A lot of answers have to be had this week from this group. And I know I'm kind of scatterbrained right now, jumping all over. But with what's coming up in Philadelphia next week, they they win tonight against Tampa and they're 3-0. And they're going to host us next week. I mean, they're going to be jazzed up at home. You know it's not easy to go into Philadelphia and win. It's not. This group has to be better. Has to be better. One for nine on third downs for Washington's offense. One for nine. Not good. So let's continue... To move down the list here, um, we're going to move back into the later portions of this first half. Um, that close to the two-minute drill. Now, I loved, from Buffalo's perspective, Washington was playing a lot of off coverage. Kendall Fuller, Benjamin St. Juice, Emmanuel Forbes. In that late, later portions of that second quarter where it was just slant, 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 slant. Quick little timing routes to get you five, get you seven, get you nine. That's taking advantage of the coverage that you're seeing from an offense. And really, that's just a quick little check that Josh Allen can make to the outside. Hey, Gabe, tap of the head. Or Stefan, tap of the head. Quick little slant. I'm just taking a little quick bucket step, putting my foot in the ground, and I'm ripping it to you three yards off the line of scrimmage. Just a, a two and in, three and in. That's it. It's very simple. That's stuff you see in Little League. And that's what they were doing at the end of the portions of that second, uh, that first half, excuse me, to where it was just really tough for Washington to really do anything because the defense was on, on the field. Most of that first half, again. I mean, time of possession, Buffalo had nearly 35 minutes of possession, Washington at 25. So almost a full quarter's worth of extra time of possession um, for the Buffalo Bills. I liked Sam when he got the ball in that two-minute drill, hitting Terry and hitting Cole Turner again. Those are the top two guys for Washington as far as targets. Cole had seven targets, led the team, and of course, Terry had those six. Um, But then Brian Robinson got, got going but then as it got closer to that the goal line, he tried Tim Howell tries to throw that little double move to the outside to Curtis Samuel. You just can't throw that football. Maybe in North Carolina, but not in the NFL. 
Trey White sitting there with outside leverage with his butt to the sideline, just pushing everything and funneling everything to the inside where he had safety help if he needed it. And that double move really just, it didn't even matter. He's not biting on it. And Sam throws it. And it was just an e- is easy pickings for Tredavious White on the outside. It's too experienced of a corner. And when you see that as a quarterback with a guy running a double move with outside leverage, you just cannot throw that. Once he saw him squatting to where his backside was to the line, excuse me, to the sideline, he wasn't neutral. His body wasn't giving inside leverage to where you have an outside pylon shot to where if you're Sam Howell, you could throw it to that pylon on the back shoulder of Curtis Samuel. He didn't have that there. He cannot throw that with outside leverage from Tredavious White. You got to move on to the progression or just tuck it and run and try to make something happen. You cannot throw that football. So Washington obviously turns the ball over there. They get the ball at the one. And this is when a little bit of the Bills arrogance came out. Because I don't know if you guys remember, they didn't run the ball and try to get yards. You talk about teams when you're inside the two, the three, you're just rushing it, right? First down, second down, try to get yourself some space beyond the own shadow of your own goal line. They go play action on that first play to Stephon Diggs for 30 yards. Right on that first down play after Tredavious White's interception. Saying, you know, your front four isn't doing crap. No pressure. You're not sending any pressure either. We're going to run a play action and hit our best receiver over the middle of the field. You know what's going to him? Well, stop us. And that was some arrogance there that hopefully Washington gets to as we move down the line. That little bit, again, arrogance to say your defense isn't doing anything. We're going to sling it. We're going to go play action. Turn our quarterback's blindside to left tackle. You're not sending anybody. So we're just going to turn and play a little quick quick pitch and catch with Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs. So as they move down the field a little bit, happy for Kendall Fuller to get an interception. I thought he's been good the first few weeks. Um, really quiet on, on when you hear him on the broadcast. That's a good thing. You don't want to hear corners names a lot on the broadcast. Again, this secondary and defense as a whole was pretty damn good yesterday. It was again 16-0 to start the fourth quarter. 37-3 was the final. They scored 21 in that final quarter, more so because Washington's defense was just so damn tired. Just tired as hell to be on the field a whole damn game. You know, offense doesn't give you any help. 16-0, guys, in that fourth quarter. As you move forward um, later, later, later portions uh, of that first half. Leonard Floyd versus Andrew Wiley. Again, a little quick ghost rush. That's a, it almost looked similar to Nick Benito's sack with Denver last week. The ghost rush, flash your hands, dip them, dip the inside shoulder, and work right around them. I mean, Leonard Floyd just looked like he was coming off the blocks in the 100 meters um, on that play. Just blows right by Andrew Wiley. And this is now a consistent and legitimate issue with Wiley on the right side of this offensive line protecting his arm side because he's going to get Sam Howell killed. Um, Leonard Floyd's been a, a rusher in this league with production for years and years and years. Former high round pick out of Georgia years ago. Still supremely athletic. They brought him and Vaughn Miller in as these veteran edge rushers. And luckily, Buffalo didn't have Vaughn Miller out there yesterday. He's still recovering from injury. He'll be back soon for them. But Andrew Wiley, I mean, it seems like every week he's getting embarrassed in a one-on-one scenario against an edge rusher to where it's not even close. And Sam got killed on that play. Uh, it just cannot happen. Uh, that has to improve. The ghost rush, flash his hands, rip it, stick his cleats in the ground, cleats in the ground and just work up to Sam Howell. It was literally within two seconds. Not even a chance for number 71 out at right tackle. That's just something that has to be improved upon to where in that play, I'd rather him overset 
didn't have to work up into the pocket to where Sam can see it. And if Leonard Floyd's trying to loop back in, up and more up in the pocket, he can stick that foot in the ground and work to the backside and scoot out the back door. But if you got somebody, if you're looking the left side of the field as a right-handed quarterback, and Leonard Floyd's rushing the edge out to the outside shoulder of Andrew Wiley, you can't see Jack. And he's going to come and just hit your ribs, and you're going to, it's not going to feel too good if you're Sam Howell. It's not going to feel good. It just has to be improved upon this right side, whether you're giving him help with a tight end or a running back or whatever. But the right side of this line of scrimmage, specifically at right tackle, has got to be better moving forward. It is a huge, huge uh, point of concern right now for this football team. So let's move in uh, to the second half. Oh, that was the second half. I'm see, I'm all, I'm all over the place right now. But second half was that Andrew Wiley, Leonard Floyd sack. Um, now the second half continued. Just a few notes here, guys. The screens, there was no screen game yesterday uh, at all. Um, we saw a lot of it against Denver, picking apart matchups. I thought we would see a bunch this week. Antonio Gibson fumbled on really the one screenplay we saw yesterday. But when their second level is really flying around, just making plays all over the football field, and the line for Washington was just doing nothing, um, they were literally just five road, five road cones. Just place them down. That's really what Washington's offensive line was yesterday. Just strategically placed road cones. That's what they were. Um, not good. The screen game has to show up. It has to show up. You take pressure off of Sam Howell. You get your big boys out in space and you have the athletes to do so. Whether it's a running back, whether it's a tight end, we saw it with Cole Turner and Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. We've seen it with guys on the outside with your smoke screens, your tunnel screens, whatever you want to call them, whatever your terminology is on the perimeter. You have to have a screen game incorporated with a young quarterback to take pressure off of him. And we did not see that at all yesterday. Um, I mentioned the 16 points. It was 16-0. Guys, I can't say it enough. Early in that fourth quarter, and there were many chances for Washington to get back into the football game. Um, It just did not happen. Um, As you get back down to uh, Bills get the ball back, uh, later portions of that second half, second and goal, Washington finally sends more than four guys. You sent, I think they sent six or seven on that play. You're running man on the back end. Josh Allen just scoots through the A-gap right up the middle of the defense. Um, and it scores a touchdown. At that point, you just tip your cap and say, you know, all right, you know, tip your cap. What are you, you going to do? That's a hell of a play from Josh Allen. He's a hell of a player. He's a hell of an athlete, hell of a quarterback. Um, I like Jack Del Rio sending pressure, but at that time, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's unfortunate. It is what it is. It's unfortunate because you're Jack Del Rio and you want to send pressure. And also in that play, Cam Curl. We say a lot of good things about Cam Curl. Wants to be paid, but he had a shot one-on-one with Josh Allen on that play and whiffs. Cannot happen. Want to be an elite safety in this league? Want to be paid like an elite safety? Love me some Cam Curl. I do. We all do. But one-on-one with the quarterback, is that that's something that defenders salivate over. They want to knock the blank off. They want to knock the chin strap off a quarterback when you're one-on-one. Don't care if it's Kyler Murray. Josh Allen, as far as size perspective, doesn't matter. They want to put somebody in the damn dirt. And Cam Curl has to be better there. One-on-one, got to get the quarterback down. Schemed up, great. Free runner on the quarterback. Should be taken down. It's the NFL. This isn't high school. He can't whiff like that. And arm tackles against Josh Allen, that's 6'6", 240 pounds. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. So next time we see that, like Cam Curl, we know how he can be in the open field. We know the type of athlete that he is. Got to be able to tackle uh, and blitz, good blitzer, just take down the damn quarterback 
when you get an opportunity to do so. Uh, a couple quick notes, guys. That's really all my game notes. There's some little things that I want to see worked on. The tight ends, again, no yards after catch. Um, it is almost a joke at this point to where all of these guys, Cole Turner, John Bates, we didn't see Curtis Hodges. Of course, Logan Thomas was out. Alec Tarma was activated. We didn't see him at all. Antonio Gibson wasn't involved in the passing game. Um, continues to not be involved, but it is literally a joke, this yak ability for the tight ends. It is literally run five yards, turn around, catch it, I'm hit. Turn around, catch it, fall. There is nothing that these tight ends offer as far as I'm going to break away from a guy, catch the football, and maybe get even three or four extra yards. It is catch it, and that's where I am. It's almost like freeze tag to where you throw the ball, and it just freezes the guy when he catches the football. There is no yak ability from these tight ends in any capacity. Nothing. So from an athleticism perspective, it just doesn't you offer anything over the middle of the field on a quick third and three. You get a mismatch over a 6'6 Cole Turner and a six-foot linebacker. Okay, okay, maybe 6'6, but he can't separate. He has no athleticism to offer you anything beyond a five-yard button hook, five-yard curl, five-yard in, whatever you want to call it. Nothing. The yak is absolutely it's extinct in this offense for these tight ends. It doesn't exist. Every time Sam Howell targeted a tight end yesterday, because there were a lot of targets to tight ends yesterday with Cole Turner and John Bates. It's just as soon as he catches the ball, they're hit. Now that's tip of the cap to to Buffalo's defense to be able to be there right away, but no ability to break a tackle and nothing as far as just getting an extra few yards for your quarterback in certain situations where you need it. It's something that they have to address moving uh, down the line. Um, the pick six to AJ Epinesa was really rough, rushing to running to his left. Um, that was, of course, ugly and really put a bow on that entire football game. That can't happen. You're not throwing it over a guy that's six foot six. It's just not going to happen. Just tuck it and run or just throw it out of bounds in that certain situation. Um, I know a lot of you are probably like, well, back to reality, two and one now. That's fine. Maybe Washington needed that after being two and oh. Um, but there was a lot of times in this first two ball games to where guys, they could have lost those games as well. Um, we're not going to sit here in Washington and say that they were Super Bowl contender. If you did before the season, we'll maybe listen to some, some people on certain, certain shows and certain broadcasts that maybe shouldn't be talking about the football the way they do, because this is not a Super Bowl contender. This is not an NFC title contender. It's an offense with a young quarterback and a new offense and a new offensive structure with a below average offensive line. Not a good start. This front five starts. Look back always to the Tampa Bay, Kansas City Super Bowl. Kansas City's line was beyond terrible in that game. And Tampa Bay made life hell for Patrick Mahomes. Doesn't matter. You got an alien-like quarterback and Patrick Mahomes in the center. You have no front five. You have no offense. I don't care if you put John Elway with Randy Moss and Chris Carter and Calvin Johnson with Barry Sanders in the backfield. It does not matter. Put Tony Gonzalez and... I don't care who else at tight end, but Travis Kelsey at tight end. All the best skill players ever to play. You don't have an offensive line. You don't have anything, folks. You don't have anything. That's the biggest takeaway from this game. Yes, Sam has to work on stuff. I get it. But it's the front five. Has to be better. You can't be historically bad, which they are right now, along the front five. Most sacks allowed in football. And then also look at Sam Howell and say, I need more from you to really try to ask him to play hero ball with three guys around his, around his feet and hands in his face and throwing lanes. 
there's a balance there. There's a seesaw there, right? So these are all things to work on. Again, guys, Sam Howell's going to sit down. He's going to go into the tape. I'm sure they're doing it all morning already. Um, these are all things he can work on. It's decision-making. It's his eyes. And of course, it starts with up front. And I cannot say it enough. But a couple of things to finish up this pod here for you guys. Um, really the last thing. A, big, a little moment that stood out to me that no one's talking about that I think needs some context is it was third and seven for the Buffalo Bills with six minutes left in that ball game, Washington trailing. And Latavius Murray runs up the middle. Jamin Davis is holding onto his legs. And he's about two yards short of the line of scrimmage. And Cody Barton is coming downhill to try to make a play. He stops and stands there and lets Latavius fall forward for a first down. And that little thing to me, I'm not asking everybody to be perfect. But in that moment, when you're a defense and you're getting your ass shredded in that second half, and it's a third down, in that situation, you get the ball back for your offense. And Jamin did a nice job. Latavius Murray's a bigger ball carrier. To when he's trying to fall forward to where you can just knock his chin strap off and push him back, or at least sideways and fall over a yard or two short. To kind of just hold him up and then let him fall down. That told me a lot about maybe Cody Barton in that situation or how Washington felt in that that situation as a defense to where, ah, well, this game's kind of over. I'll just let him fall. Because for me, look, I'm not an NFL linebacker. But I would have tried to knock knock his chin strap off. Because every snap is monitored by Washington's coaches and scouts and other scouts across the league that see this stuff. And with Cody Barton's first year as a linebacker in football from a starter's perspective, that just told me a lot. It just stood out to me in that scenario because I like Cody Barton. I thought he did a good job really all three weeks so far. He's active. He's physical. He's a good open field tackler. He's smart. He's a cerebral athlete in the middle of this defense to where he understands his landmarks and coverage. He's really good working downhill. Him and Jamin Davis have been playing off each other. And again, I'm not asking guys to be to be perfect, and I could be ticky-tack with this. But on that third and seven, to where he could be short, and you have a chance to hit the guy and keep him short, and you just stop and kind of put your hands out and let him fall forward, almost graciously put his head to the pillow type of thing. I don't want to see that. I want to be aggressive, downhill, physical from the starting kickoff, to win those clock hit zero. I don't care if I'm winning by 30 or I'm down by 30. That's the mentality that you have to have. And, and that just stood out a lot to me late in that football game from Cody Barton. So that's, hopefully that's something that we don't see again. I mean, I, it just makes me think back to the Denver game, or the, excuse me, to the Detroit game last year in week two to when DeAndre Swift caught the football, was on his backside, gets up and scores a touchdown. Don't ever want to see anything like that again. That's not to the level of what I saw yesterday on that third and seven, late in that second half and Washington's getting their ass whooped. But again, be physical. Hit. This is football. Hit the guy and get off the field. Just get off the football field. So guys, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Uh, I know a lot of of negatives, things to work on. But again, just to provide some context for you guys, they're going to learn from it. I promise you they are. It's early in the season. It's only week three. You got a lot more games to go. We got 14 more of these things. And next two games, you got Philly on the road. And then we got the Bears at home on Thursday Night Football, a Bears roster that looks completely, completely unorganized um, with Justin Fields under center, Matt Eberflus and his second year head coach. 
those previews will come down the line. Um, but don't go full scorched earth, guys. Do not just throw your hands up in the air and say, "Oh, this is the this is these are the Commanders." No, it's ups and downs that you have to have with a young quarterback under center. To our defense that did play pretty damn well yesterday, sixteen nothing. Again, I'm going to burn that into your brain this week. Sixteen nothing going in to that fourth quarter. I want to see some of the receivers more involved. I need more. I need more Jahan Dotson. I need more Brian Robinson in the run game. I need some more creativity, allowing Sam Howell to also escape with his legs and not asking him to have these five-step drops to read multiple progressions with no front five able to protect more than two and a half seconds. That has to improve moving forward if Washington wants to compete for potentially a division title or more so a wild card spot to where I think they will be this year around that that eight to nine win range. I think Washington can get there. They have the talent to do so, but the NFL is not spreadsheet football. You have to line up against the man in front of you and execute. You have to. You have to execute in all three phases consistently week to week against different teams and put yourself in a position to win football games. Yesterday, the game plan offensively overall was not good enough to operate against that Bills defense. Asked a lot of Sam Howell reading multiple progressions with no front five. A lot of the time to where it was just five-man protections. It can't happen. If you have to activate and keep three tight ends on the roster, you had Alex Arma. I don't care if he's in there on either side of the line of scrimmage to where you need more help and you have to slide protection. Do something. Have to keep Sam Howell upright to allow him to reach his performance ceiling and provide a window for this staff and Washington Brass to give... To, to see if he's got it or not. I think he does. He's a talented kid. He can rip it to multiple depths in the tight windows. He's got confidence about him to where he comes back from crap. He's not afraid to sling the ball after getting sacked six, seven, eight, nine times or throwing one, two, three, four interceptions. He comes right back and continues to be a high-level athlete and process what he can when he can. But there were times yesterday where there guys in his face and he's still making throws. Those are things that you have to spotlight and say those are things to make to work forward towards and be happy about. Four interceptions ain't pretty. I get it. It's not pretty. It's, it's ugly. It's really ugly. And he was not good yesterday. From a fundamental perspective, being good or bad, Sam Howell was bad yesterday. But that there's a lot other things that have a counter effect to that to where it's, it's a team game, right? There's 11 guys. This isn't tennis. This isn't checkers. This isn't golf. There's 10 other guys in the football field at once. All those other guys have to execute as well for things to come in. They all correlate. Everything has to be together to succeed. Minute by minute, play by play, series by series. To put yourself in a position to win. And specifically in that first quarter yesterday, I liked how Sam came out and got his feet wet early. Running the ball. Quick to the outside to Terry. Cold turn over the middle of the field where he's going to live within that 5-7 to yard range because you know he's not going to take it any extra yards. That's it. More of that. More quick game. More screens. Get it out of his hands early. And then feed Brian Robinson. Antonio Gibson, I don't. I have no idea what to tell you guys about Antonio Gibson as a runner and in the passing game right now because he can't take care of the football. And it's proven. Two fumbles in three games. Cannot happen for a guy that's expected to be a, a major flex weapon in this offense. It cannot happen. So it's on to week four. It's on to the Philadelphia Eagles. I will have a preview out for you on Friday of the right now 2-0 Philadelphia Eagles. Depends on when you listen to this. They could be 2-1. They could be 3-0. 
but we'll get into their roster, the changes that they made this offseason, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. But that's going to do it for today. I always appreciate you guys and your reviews, your shares, and your likes. I'm on Twitter, if you don't follow me already, at underscore Ryan Fowler. All my written work is housed at bleacherreport.com. And again, I will have a full preview out for you on Friday, offense, defense, special teams of the Philadelphia Eagles and we will preview the full game, things I expect Washington offensively. We'll hear some news and notes this week as far as guys that are practicing, guys that aren't, maybe some positional changes, guys getting some more opportunities because when you lose 37-3 from a 10,000-foot view, it's not good. But they will work on this. I promise you they will improve. Now, you go into Philly and you get blown out like this, and, well, you know, we're going to start to worry a little bit. But crap happens in the NFL, and this is a major game with adversity to where they're going to have to battle back into a major divisional game next week on the road where they're going to have to put themselves in position to win because you don't want to... A 2-2 two and two through the first four games, I've talked about it. I'm fine with that. But I would like to be 3-1. and one. And with Chicago and Atlanta coming up, Atlanta lost yesterday to Detroit. Washington, I think, was overall a better football team than Atlanta. Specifically, they're better than the Bears. Those are the two teams after Philadelphia. So, things to improve upon. They will get better. Wanted to provide some some context to this game to where it's ugly from a 10,000-foot view, but when you break it down to the nuts and bolts, a lot of stuff has to improve from a minuscule standpoint on either side of the ball, specifically on offense, to allow this group to reach their ceiling. So always appreciate you guys. Enjoy your work week. I know it's not going to be as good as a week one win or week two win, but these are learning moments. And it's adversity that I always talk about. You have to improve and look at and say, this went wrong here. This went wrong here. It's something to improve upon when I see that situation again. If I'm faced with a cover two look and I want to attack the outside to where Trey White is now sitting and Micah hides over the top, I'm going to lay it over the corner there instead of maybe trying to break it down and roll to my right and make something happen with my legs and then I'm sacked. Little things like that. All these different situations in this ball game to where Sam Howell will learn. These are the speed bumps, the ups and downs with a young quarterback. Please understand that. You have to understand that with this offense. I know you want to go out there and score 70 like the Miami Dolphins did yesterday against the Broncos, a team we saw last week. Not at that right now. I like the Mike McDaniel structure of his offense. Just have guys on the outside. That's a damn track team with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and Devon Chain, Raheem Mostert, and just run slants or run go routes and just throw it up and guys are open. And maybe that's something that we look, see a little bit more of as we move forward with Washington. Getting it out of Sam Howell's hands quick. Letting him get in rhythm quick. Saw it in the first quarter. I want to see it more as we move forward into the meat of the season and as Washington prepares for week four at the Philadelphia Eagles next week to kick off, kick off divisional play. So have a great week, guys. I will talk to you on Friday. I'm Ryan Fowler, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.